podcast is part of the 80s Ruled Network. Visit the 80s Ruled on Facebook for more 1980s awesomeness. TV show theme songs that were also hits. Welcome back to another episode of 1980s Now, a weekly examination of the importance of 1980s pop culture and its influence today. My name is Will, and joining me as always are my co-hosts, Ray and Kat. Hi, guys. Hello, everybody. On today's show, we'll be discussing TV show themes that were also billboard hits in the 1980s. And to make it more fun, I'll be challenging Ray and Kat to identify the songs with just a few clues. Oh, I like oh, this wow. game. And you can play along at home. Before we get started with the show proper, once again, it's time for... Thank you for your cooperation. Just a few days ago, Jennifer sent us a message via the form on 1980snow.com, and you can too. She writes, love the podcast. Listen to y'all every week. It makes me so happy to hear others discuss stuff from my favorite decade. Makes being in my 40s tolerable. <laughs> All right. Glad we could do that. I remember my 40s cat. Frey, how are the 40s? Are they good still for uh, you? They're blazing away, I'll <laughs> tell you that. I remember my 40s. <laughs> remember them like they were just a few months ago. You'll be fine. It all seems the same after a while, right? Yes. Same as it ever was. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh. And he's doing the gestures, folks. Hey, thanks, Jennifer, for your kind words. Uh, and if you'd like to send us a message, you can do so by visiting 1980snow.com. There's a little form there. We read all the messages. And that was... Thank you for your cooperation. All right, let's get caught up on 1980s news. Today on 1980s news, on June 18th, 2019, The 80s <laughs> debuted. That was our inaugural podcast. The idiots, which we were for almost two years until we changed our name to 1980s. Now, for reasons we've discussed, it made a lot of made a lot of sense, right? Because mm -hmm. now we don't sound like dummies. Yes. <laughs> Although you know, look, we meant it to be funny, and I remember early on, Ray's one of his friends said, "You guys aren't idiots." I mean, it's kind of a. I think he was hoping people sounded stupid, maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe or something like that. I do believe the irony was uh, a, a key um, draw for that name. And I've heard people say that they really liked it. Mm. It is funny. But. I see. Yeah. You know what? We, I think we just couldn't count on that uh, publicists would necessarily get the joke or mm -hmm. listen to the show to realize we were being ironic. Yep. Maybe we should have just yep. done that in the intro, the original <laughs> one. A disclaimer. <laughs> Welcome to the idiots. An ironic thing about <laughs> the 80s. Because we're really not dumb. And we also speak with experts who are definitely educated. <laughs> So yeah, we've been doing it for two years now and a lot has happened and we're certainly grateful for all of the folks we had the pleasure of speaking with, all the amazing topics we've been able to talk about and things we've learned. And of course, we are especially grateful for you, the listeners who have uh, supported us throughout this journey. In other 1980s news, we've got yet another reboot of a show that I, I certainly liked from the 1980s. I don't know if you guys liked it, uh, because we've learned that Robin Thede and London Hughes are set to star in Perfect Strangers for HBO Max. Were you guys uh, a fan of the original Perfect Strangers? I did see it. <laughs> I saw it. That's the review she's giving it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I needed a little, you know, memory jog there. Oh. And, look, and it triggered a memory of that phrase that, what's his name, Balky, mm -hmm. says, 
Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't remember that either. That's right. I, that I was mean, I, not anywhere in my consciousness and yeah. suddenly boom, there it was. Oh my goodness. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. I, I would say I probably saw multiple episodes of it, but mm-hmm. not like I was intending to see them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like it just happened to be on when I went mm-hmm. to watch TV mm-hmm. and it wasn't horrible. So I would watch <laughs> yeah. them, Oh, but I, I it wasn't huh. like, man, I got to see this show. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, the original series ran on ABC for eight seasons from March of 1986 through to uh, August of 1993. Of course, the original star starred Mark Lynn Baker and Bronson Pinchot as uh, Cousins, Laddie, and uh, Balky. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched it. I liked it. I thought it was, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. I liked those it actors. It was a post-Beverly uh, Hills cop, Bronson Pinchot, who's just a master of accents, apparently, right? Because... It's yes. even different than the character he did briefly in the Beverly Hills Cop films. Serge. He's not that great. Oh, I liked it. There's a super cut on YouTube about him saying that phrase over and yeah. over oh, and boy. over and over again. <laughs> Glad I missed it. So the new <laughs> multi-camera comedy, which is uh, currently in development, according to The Hollywood Reporter, revolves around perfect strangers Deja and Poppy, who unexpectedly discover that they are half-sisters when they both inherit a one-bedroom apartment above a trap yoga studio in uh, Brooklyn. Okay, first of all, as an 80s kid, what is trap yoga? Um, That's when somebody says, do you want to go drink wine with me? (laughs) And they take you to yoga instead. (laughs) I don't know if I'll check this one out. Like you guys have pointed out, uh, I don't know that I was a big enough fan of the original to want to see a reboot of it. Mm-hmm. Because as generally, as, as you know, as Cat reminded us a couple episodes ago, we don't really like reboots to begin with. Mm-hmm. They're never mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. In other 1980s news, oh boy, here we go. Mm-hmm. Well, we, now, we reported just a short time ago that uh, Hugh Grant was cast as the villain in the upcoming Dungeons and Dragons film that is uh, <laughs> due to come out in 2023. Well, thanks to the Daily Mail, we now have seen pictures of Hugh Grant in his uh costume on the set Mm -hmm. at Wells Cathedral in Somerset, England. I love how they describe this in in the paper there. They say the BAFTA award-winning actor 60 donned a white shirt, a purple and gold period vest, and matching neckerchief. Mm -hmm. Mm, Yeah. I saw this and I thought, maybe he's a first-level bard, but he's not the (laughs) villain. He looks kind of piratey. He looks like a a pirate accountant. It looks, (laughs) yes. He looks like the guy who sold them their equipment. Yeah, That's what he looks like. He's an NPC. You're right. But apparently this works just like Dungeons and Dragons Mm. where the players immediately take to the secondary character was not supposed to do anything in the movie. (laughs) And now the director's like, now the guy who sells the equipment is the big bad guy. (laughs) Everything I worked on for years is down the toilet. Ray's talking about as a dungeon master, you create the story and it just, Mm -hmm. inevitably the Players do something you don't expect, and you have to now make stuff up on the fly for the remainder yeah. of the game. Yeah. Is that not part of the fun? It, well, it is when he's selling the equipment. Like, well, yep. what's he look like? And he's like, I don't know. He's an old British dude, and he's wearing an ascot, yep. and like the jacket that the little monkey with the symbols wears. <laughs> right, right, yeah. This must be who we need. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, outside on yeah. the street is a guy with horns, yeah. breathing fire, just waiting, eight feet tall yeah. with like a six pack, yeah. like just doing all kinds of bad shit on the street. And these guys are this, this is the bad guy. As a DM, you're like, are you sure you guys don't want to go outside? Maybe just for like a smoke or something. <laughs> yeah. Are your horses running? Well, you better go catch them. 
Uh, Ray, you know what? You predicted this. This would be a bad choice. We had hoped he would get fired. There's still hope. Yeah, I guess. Maybe if there's, uh, you know, I guess a fan mm-hmm. feedback. Maybe it was a, maybe it's a costume they had him wear just so we don't know what he really is going to look. He's really going to look like. I'm actually hoping that's just what he showed up in that day. <laughs> that's his clothes. That's just his regular clothes. <laughs> it's how every English gentleman <laughs> walks around. Yes. <laughs> I don't think he likes his outfit either because he yeah. looked pretty grumpy in that he picture. Does. He does look sad, yeah. I think he's regretting <laughs> taking that role is what I'm thinking. Yeah. Oh my God. D&D stands for Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> Jesus Christ, what have I done? <laughs> and if we were quick, we could think of other two other D words that had something to do with uh, English nobility or something. <laughs> but I'm thinking crumpets is the only thing that ever comes to mind when we talk about English people. Mm-hmm. All right, another 1980s news. Hey, folks, not only are we celebrating our second anniversary, but Raiders of the Lost Ark, more importantly, is celebrating their 40th anniversary. So this just this past June 12th marks the 40th anniversary for the original film, Raiders of the Lost Ark, which uh, debuted in 1981. So as a result, we're learning much about the original film and coincidentally, or maybe not, maybe publicists and the studio planned this. But we're also learning somewhat about the uh, the new film that's coming out. So starting with the old film, uh, there's been a number of different interviews with Karen Allen about the original film. And, and she said a number of, you know, very interesting things, but uh, mm-hmm. a couple of things caught my attention. So Variety spoke with uh, Allen about uh, uh, the character of Marion. Of course, she played Marion Ravenwood in the original film. And one thing I thought was interesting was uh, her confirmation that Tom Selleck was nearly Indiana Jones. Of course, we'd heard this for years that he had been cast and that he had uh, had to turn it down ultimately because Magnum P.I. prevented him from uh, assuming the uh, fedora. She said she didn't learn until years later when she ran into him that he was actually heartbroken over not being able to take on the role. How would we feel about Tom Selleck had he been uh, in the Oh, I'm so glad he was not it. Yeah. (laughs) I like Tom Selleck. Yeah. But we had that, what is it, Quigley Down Under? Yes, right. So that was his version of Mm -hmm. what Indiana Jones would have been. Oh, so I don't think it would have been as good. And I think the only reason he says that he was devastated that he didn't get the role or didn't take the role is because he saw how good it turned out and how much money it made. Mm -hmm. Would not Mm -hmm. have done as well if he'd have been Indiana Jones. Mm. First off, the mustache, not a fan of the mustache. Yeah. I wonder if he would have shaved. Um, No, absolutely (laughs) not. Because in the eighties, that was, that was, it was him and the mustache. It was like a acting duo. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. We also learned that uh, Karen Allen auditioned opposite how her former screen star from Animal House, Tim Matheson, who mm-hmm. was also up for the role of Indiana Jones. And although she didn't audition with them, she later discovered that also Sam Elliott and Jeff Bridges had also auditioned. Yeah, that was stuff that I'd never heard before, which I thought was fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Like, why couldn't she bring that up, like, I don't know, 30 years ago? I don't know <laughs> that she knew all this, because some of the things that came in, out in the interviews are things she's learned since herself, you know, like mm-hmm. that running into uh, uh, Tom Selleck only years later, you know. Mm-hmm. The other story she confirmed was that legendary story as to whether or not Harrison Ford and everyone else in the cast was sick when they were filming the uh, Cairo scenes in uh, Tunisia, except for Steven Spielberg. So the, the rumor was always that uh, the, the scene where he fights, uh, he, he faces off against the swordsman, the very large gentleman with the swordsman that I believe is played by Pat Roach, who plays every large bad guy in Indiana Jones. And sometimes he appears more than once. In the same movie. In the same movie. So yeah. when he squares off against Pat Roach, it's our understanding there was supposed to be a battle. But Harrison Ford could barely stand up because he was so dehydrated and weak from having been sick because of the water there in uh, Tunisia. 
And so he improvised this or, or asked if they could do this little gun uh, thing where he shoots the guy instead. And that was uh, obviously that made it into the film. Well, she confirmed that, yes, the story is true. She says that uh, they were staying in a little place called NAFTA right on the edge of the Sahara Desert. And she said uh, they discovered that the hotel, so they were warned, don't mm-hmm. drink the water. She said they went so far as to even when they're brushing their teeth, they would use bottled water, everything mm-hmm. to avoid the water. But they later learned that the hotel was selling them bottled water, but they were just filling the bottles up with tap. Scoundrels. Mm-hmm. So she said they got, uh, you know, amoebas or whatever uh, my- microbes are necessary to give uh, you uh, intestinal distress, I imagine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Of course, uh, she also confirmed the story that Steven Spielberg was able to avoid any maladies because he had f- canned food brought in, including SpaghettiOs. That's like raised diet. Yep. I love that. That's a, If I was a director, that's all I, you know, I'd be in Cairo yeah. eating SpaghettiOs. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So turning from the old or the original film, I should say, um, there's been much news, like I said, about the new film. And it's raising some interesting questions about the story they're telling. Just as a sort of, to sort of, uh, I guess, set things out. So we're all on the same page here. I'll just point out quickly that the original Raiders were set in 1936. Then we had a prequel with Temple of Doom, which was 1935. The Last Crusade was set in 1938. And then Crystal Skull jumped forward about the amount of years it was since the last film came out. So 19 years later, uh, it was set in 1957. Now we've got questions about when exactly is this new film going to be set? Because if it was set the 13 years or so or 14 years by the time it comes out, since Crystal Skull, this next film would be like in the 70s, which, come right. on, what what is he going to be part of in the 70s? The uh, Iran hostage uh, crisis or... Yeah. I, I don't know that I want to see him fight any bad guys in the 70s. But I think the <laughs> one thing that gives hope and me hope and maybe a little bit of pride because I've been suggesting this for years now is it seems like they may be doing some flashbacks or this may even be a film that's set closer to the last one or a prequel, we don't know. Because mm-hmm. a number of clues indicate that they're going back to the era of the Nazis, including there's some set photos, there's tons of set photos, but some show that they're filming with uh, cars of an era that seemed to be in the 30s or 40s. Mm-hmm. There is a train. And if you've seen this footage, it's kind of like, this is what I was alluding to earlier. The movie studio's got to be leaking this, right? Oh, absolutely. Because mm-hmm. there's like on YouTube footage of a train that has a Nazi symbol on it. And the mm-hmm. video follows, and it cuts, you know, over several, several cuts, follows the train along a track with several cuts. <laughs> like, and it's yeah. pristine. It's like H, you know, 4K. <laughs> yes. But the most interesting photos, I think, are that, again, suggest that maybe we're going back in time, is the inclusion of tracking dots on Harrison Ford's face in some mm-hmm. of the scenes he's shooting which mm-hmm. indicates to us there's some sort of motion capture going on. Uh, these dots are usually used to either capture the motion of the face and or then replace it with another face, possibly a younger one. And mm-hmm. if there's to leave, to leave no question whatsoever is there's also footage and photos showing a stuntman wearing a young Harrison Ford mask. Mm-hmm. And but he's, he's wearing a Nazi uniform. And he's riding a motorcycle, much like the one he rode in Last Crusade when his dad was uh, riding a, in the sidecar. Yes. I don't know. Would you rather see a prequel? Would you rather see something in the 70s? Is there an era that you think we should go to as far as Indiana Jones goes when it seems like we have the technology to go anywhere? I think we're going in between Raiders mm. and Last Crusade. Mm. 
And normally I hate when they computerize yep. somebody to make them younger because I don't think they do a very good job. But there's mm-hmm. so much footage yes. of him over the years. True. Especially even from just Raiders. But not just, he, they don't have just Raiders. They have all these other movies they can right. steal from. And I super, super like The Mask because that means mm. it's not all going to be green screen. Mm-hmm. So that means they're out there. Mm. They're doing stunts. They're making it right. look real. Which, if they did this with computer generation and all that and everything yeah. was just green screen, it would look like mm-hmm. But if they're out there doing stunts with stuntmen wearing masks, and that's probably why he wrecked the bike, by the way. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He probably wrecked because Harrison Ford's face is just too good for him and it blocked his view <laughs> and he wrecked. Oh, no. I thought you were going to say it was like the Halloween costumes we had as kids. And he had those little <laughs> yeah. slits for <laughs> eyes and the rubber band you was know, holding it too tight. Yeah. You know, that would be hilarious if it was like those plastic Frankenstein masks and that's what they put on him. It's got yeah. a rubber band. Yeah. If this was 1970s, yeah. that's what they'd have put on yeah. him. And the effects guys say, saying to uh, the director, James Mangold, it's going to look better when we get done. I promise, man. I swear. The the, <laughs> the angle and the lighting is going to take care of the rubber band. You yeah. won't even notice it. <laughs> we can erase the rubber band in post. <laughs> you know, Harrison Ford, who's now 78 years old, also, though, he's pretty spry for a 78-year-old. So although they could yeah. use body doubles and stunt doubles, by the indication of him having the tracking dots on, seems like he may be doing a lot of the you know action himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, when you're the greatest actor to ever live, right. yep. you make your own movies. Yep. I'm looking forward to it. I've been saying for years, I would hope while Harrison Ford is still alive, knock on wood, they would make as many of these films and set them when he's younger as possible and just do all that magical de-aging stuff. Yeah. And, and you know, to your point about the CGI, Ray, I'm so encouraged too, as well, seeing that real train that's a lot yeah. of effort. You know that James Mangold is going sort of all in for practical because I've, I've been trying to get through Crystal Skull because I know you say the more you watch it, the better it gets. But <laughs> I got to a point when it started to be more green screen. I was like, I can't do this. I can't. Like, you know, that scene, they, they get to the jungle, you know, <laughs> they're about to find Marion. It's clearly a set with like, they green screen the rest <laughs> of the forest or whatever. It's like, I can't do it. I will say that part feels like Gilligan's Island. Exactly. I'm not lie. <laughs> it feels tiny. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Okay, we'll be hopeful. And that was 1980s news. Okay, hey, if you like the show, please subscribe on any podcast platform. And they're changing that word to follow now in most places because it is free, all right? (laughs) Now, and listen to this. Apple may actually start using subscribe to charge people for certain things or certain podcasts. We are not charging. You just have to follow or subscribe. It's free. Ray's shaking his head because he wants to charge you. (laughs) But it's going to be free. If we make money, it'll be some other way. Yeah, I guess so. Yes. Breakdancing on cardboard with a hat turned over. Something. (laughs) Or send us a comment like uh, Jennifer did. You could do that, you know, by reviewing us on your podcast platform or going to 1980s Now and uh, leaving a message there. Or another thing you could do to help us out is if you have a Facebook page, go to our Facebook page. And share our post. Oh, yeah. Because that does help us a lot. Yep. Today on the show, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about theme songs from TV shows that were also Billboard chart-topping hits. Wow. In the 1980s, right? Because this is a 1980s podcast. That should go Mm -hmm. without saying. And Mm -hmm. to make it a little more interesting, we're going to turn it into a trivia game for Ray and Kat, but also for you at home, because you'll have time to see if you can't get it uh, correct yourself. Mm-hmm. So this is going to work much like we did uh, most recently with our 
a shared universe a trivia that we did where we built the largest movie shared universe in history. Tell a friend. <laughs> um, but this time it's going to be a little more straightforward as far as the way it proceeds. There's not a complicated game board that you have to use. Instead, we're just going to proceed from, let's say, the easiest, <laughs> I hope, <laughs> question to the hardest <laughs> one. There had to be a little bit of sort of guesswork as to what might be difficult because you guys are clever. Mm. I'm going to give you some basic information about the the show for which we're try you're trying to guess the theme. And then I will back and forth go and give you guys clues. But the clues are going to include an, uh, among them at least one audio clue. Yes. Some very vague version of the plot and a character name. <laughs> right. And per Ray's suggestion, if you get it right on the first clue, it's worth 30 points. If you get it right on the second clue, it's worth 20. And if you need the third clue, it's worth only 10 points. Before the show began, it was decided that Ray would go first. I'm not making any mistakes this episode. <laughs> That's why I don't have anything on the screen. So I can't reveal the names of the answers. Okay, Ray, the first TV show theme from the 1980s that we're, you're looking to determine is for a crime drama that ran for eight seasons on CBS from December of 1980 to May of 1988. And this is your first clue. <laughs> now, I should have said, this is inspired by your absolutely brilliant way that you were able to determine an upcoming guest <laughs> from a clue I played you a couple weeks ago. Oh. All right. Do you want it again? Yeah. Can, can I, let me get ready this time. First clue. <laughs> Open your ear holes. You're ready to let receive. Me, yes. All right. This is your first clue, an audio one. Uh, I'm going to go Hill Street Blues. I'm sorry, that is not correct. Okay, clue number two goes to Cat, mm -hmm. and here is your clue. It is a, a vague summary of the plot. <laughs> a private investigator lives in the guest house of a celebrated author of several dozen lurid novels. Oh, that was supposed to help me? Yes. Do you want to hear the audio clue again? It'll only take me about a fraction of a second to give it to you. The two of them together. Yeah. <laughs> nope. All right, right. Clue number three, a character name from the, from the uh, TV show. Mm -hmm. And the character is Thomas Sullivan, Magnum the Fourth. Is this Magnum P.I.? Yes! Oh. <laughs> it is Magnum P.I. <laughs> <laughs> I should have just taken a stab with Tom Selleck in my head from earlier. I know. So, oh, really, yeah. So, of course, the TV show itself, and we're not going to get too far into the TV shows because that's a different episode. We're going to focus on the songs. Mm -hmm. But the TV show, as everybody knows, starred Tom Selleck, John Hillerman, Roger Mosley, and a bunch of other folks. The original theme music for the opening credits of the pilot episode was actually different. It was this uh, sort of mid-tempo jazzy piece that was by Ian Freeburn Smith. And that was the theme through episode 11. And then starting in episode 12, they replaced it with the theme that we're most familiar with that was created by Mike Post, who created a number of themes throughout the 1980s and beyond, including L.A. Law, The A-Team, Hardcastle and McCormick, Riptide, Quantum Leap, Stingray, Tales of the Gold Monkey, Wise Guy, Hunter, The White Shadow, and others I'm not going to mention because they appear during this game. <laughs> I, uh, I want his job, man. That oh, sounds right. Like, you make a killing doing that. Two minutes at a time, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, Mike Post created this song with Pete Car Carpenter, and the guitar on that is played by Larry Carlton. Of course, we're talking about TV show themes that were also Billboard chart-topping chart hits. A longer version of Post's theme was released as a single in 1982 and reached number 25 on the Billboard Hot 100. Mm. All right, next up with the first clue, so that's 
Ten points to Ray. I gotta write this. Down. I still don't know how the scoring works, but yes, let's do it. <laughs> you made it up. <laughs> All right. Next up with the first clue. So that's Cat. Mm-hmm. The song you're looking to identify comes from a TV show that was an action crime drama. It ran mm. for five seasons on NBC from September of 1984 through January of 1990. And your first clue is an audio one. Are you ready to receive it? I am. You know what? I actually tilted my head for no good reason because I'm <laughs> wearing leaving. headphones. <laughs> She's going to listen. <laughs> if you can identify it with this audio clue, you'll get 30 points. And here it is. Do you need it again? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, um, can I just take a stab? Of course. <laughs> uh, yeah. Miami Vice? That's right! Oh my God. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, this is, this is like one of my favorite songs, theme-wise mm-hmm. or otherwise, from the 1980s. It's just so 1980s. It is. It is. <laughs> the different layers of synth. It's got a guitar. <laughs> it's got the artificial percussion. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the uh, Miami Vice show uh, starred Don Johnson, Philip Michael Thomas, Sandra Santiago, Edward James Olmos was in the later seasons. Uh, that song was composed by Jan Hammer. Mm-hmm. It was released as a single in 1985 and peaked at number one on the Billboard Hot 100. It is the song on our list that reaches the farthest uh, on the charts of all these songs that we're going to be talking about today. It was the last instrumental to top the Hot 100 until 2013 when the Harlem Shake reached number one. Isn't that a bummer of all bummers? That is weird. In 1986, it also won Grammy Awards for Best Instrumental Composition and Best Pop Instrumental Performance. Just like with Magnum P.I., however, this isn't the original version of the theme. The theme, as we first, as we know it, first was featured on the fifth episode of the series, The Pilot, and the episodes uh, two, three, and four were actually missing the distinctive synthesized lead guitar hook that we just heard there. Oh. According to Jan Hammer's manager, uh, Elliot Sears, the versions that we heard in earlier episodes lack the synth guitar as the result of uh, the sound elements not being mixed properly. Hmm. See, had had I wrote this theme song, it would have just been a guy snorting a big line (laughs) and somebody yelling, hey, we're cops. (laughs) And then the show would start. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) It's catchy. All right. Clue number, or, or song number three goes to Ray. You're just trying to determine, what is it? <laughs> the, the theme song the theme we're looking song. for is for a show that was an action comedy, ran from for seven seasons on CBS from January 1979 through February 1985. And your first clue, an audio one, is as follows. Dukes of Hazard. That's right! <laughs> <laughs> just a good old <laughs> Look at this that was knowledge. Amazing. 80s knowledge is just <laughs> ridiculous here. That was amazing because he wasn't guessing. Mm. No, no, <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, he knows it. He knows it just by the one note even, yeah. Well, once again, that is my favorite theme song of all time. So. Yes, and of course, the TV show The Dukes of Hazard starred. I'm going to tell you all the stars of The Dukes of Hazard. okay? Listen. Yeah. Tom Wopat, Denver mm-hmm. Pyle, Catherine mm-hmm. Bach, and a bunch of other people were on the show too. Mm-hmm. James Best. James Best. Yep. Oh, we're not going to go uh, through all of them. We're not going to mention all of them. There were lots of others. <laughs> but the main guy was pretty much Tom Wopat and his mm-hmm. cousin Daisy, yeah. played by Catherine Bach. They were the main yeah, yeah. two. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that other guy, you know, that worked <laughs> at the garage. 
Yeah, uh, Cooter. Cooter. Yeah, Cooter. Congressman. Uh, hmm. Congressman Cooter. <laughs> ben. Was it Ben Jones? Uh, ben Jones. Yeah. <clears throat> the theme song, however, was written and recorded by country music singer Waylon Jennings. Of course, it was released in August of 1980 as the second single from his album *Music Man*. And since it was easily recognizable to fans of the TV show, the song became a number one hit on the Billboard Hot Country Singles charts in 1980. It also reached number 21 on the Billboard Hot 100. And all of these songs are on the Billboard Hot 100. Some of them are also on some additional charts as well. It was Jennings' biggest Hot 100 hit and the 12th of his 16 country songs that reached number one. Uh, Waylon Jennings about the song mentioned that the show's executives called him and asked him with regarding the song if he could put, quote, something in there about being modern day Robin Hoods and fighting the system, which he did, of course. (laughs) All right, since Ray got that on the first try, he gets 30 points, and which brings him up to a total of 40 right now. Wow. Just barely leading Cat, who has 30. All right, Cat, but here's your chance right now to tie or pull ahead. No, pull ahead, not tie. It's always, it's just going to, this is, your guys are going to be just chasing each other, right? Yes. All right, song number four goes to Cat. We're looking for a sci-fi comedy. Hmm. It ran for three seasons on ABC from March of 1981 through February of 1983. And are you ready for your first clue, which is an audio one? Yes, I am. All right, here it is. Oh my God. Can I hear it again? Is he a greatest American hero? That's right! Yes! Yes, 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 yes. This is sheer luck, because I watched that today. You did? (laughs) That was one of my favorite shows as a kid because it fulfills every fantasy about uh, being a regular person who suddenly can become a superhero. Yeah, I don't think I missed an episode of this when it was on the air. Yep. Yep. It starred William Catt, Robert Culp, Connie Selica, Michael Paré, who would uh, later appear in Streets of Fire, and that movie that I never know what it's really about. Eddie and the Mm. Cruisers. Is he a ghost? Does he come back from the dead? (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Is it a flashback, the whole film? Mm -hmm. I don't know. And Faye Grant, who would appear on V and a number of other uh, shows during the 1980s. The theme from The Greatest American Hero, which is, you know, also known as Believe It or Not, is a song that was composed by Mike Post. <laughs> it's also one of his themes. <laughs> with lyrics by Stephen Geyer and sung by American singer Joey Scarberry. The song peaked at number two on the Billboard Hot 100 and was kept off the top spot by Endless Love by Diana Ross and Lionel Richie. The theme, however, spent 18 weeks in the top 40, and on the adult contemporary chart, it reached number three. So uh, earlier, Ray mentioned the Dukes of Hazard, his favorite TV show theme. Kat, what's yours? Maybe we've played it. Maybe it's yet to come. You have played it. My, my top okay. choice was also Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> really? Really? Oh, really, really. now I'm remembering that you learned, you watched yes. it with your dad and you learned some, learned some life lessons about marrying cousins <laughs> from the right. show. Yeah. Told us. I had, a, I had a close contender, though, that I want to mention. It was really hard to choose okay. between Dukes of Hazard and yeah. Fraggle Rock. <laughs> ah. Oh, down a Fraggle Rock. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had a tough time with uh, Fall Guy. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that one a lot. Too. Yeah. That is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think for me, my number two would be the A team mm-hmm. theme, also, also from Mike Post. But my number one theme, I think, is probably Night Rider. Oh, yeah. Because again, That's it's just one. so classically. Yes. 1980s. I love that synth yep. sound. That one was composed by Stu Phillips and Gary Larson, who created the show on a number of shows oh. throughout the 1980s. Next question. Let's see. Number five goes to Ray. All right, Ray. So now it's the, the score here is 60-40, Whoa. but you could just catch up immediately and surpass 
Cat, uh, of course, <laughs> if you can tell us uh, which theme this is, we're looking for the theme for a sitcom that ran for four seasons on CBS from September 1978 to April of 1982. Are you ready for your very brief fraction? I think it's two-tenths of a second if you're ready. Yes. Okay, here it is. <laughs> All right, so it's 78 to 82. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like how you're getting these just based on the, the sort I'm of just, high yeah, level I'm details. To, I'm trying to get it and from both the of years. you. Yeah, it's good. I'm, I don't, I'm not feeling comfortable with this one, but uh, Love Boat. That's a great guess, but I'm sorry, that's not the correct answer. All right, Kat, the second okay. clue goes to you. And mm-hmm. it is the first five words of the lyrics to the song. Oh. And I'm going to try to say them in a way that's not musical. And mm-hmm. will not. <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid I might accidentally say it. Right. I'll say it as monotone as I can. <laughs> Baby, if you've ever wondered, <laughs> that's too much. I think. Yeah, it's, that's easy. Baby, if you've ever, I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it and not sing it, even as a robot. <laughs> well, the sad oh. thing is, I don't have it yet. Wait, okay. can I hear the first clue again? It's a sitcom ran for four mm-hmm. seasons on CBS sitcom. from September 1978 to April 1982. And here's the audio clip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't even have a guess. So Kat doesn't know it. All right, so clue three. Nope. Even if you know it, Ray, I'm going to give you clue three. WKRP. Oh, I don't Baby, if you <laughs> what is it? That's right. WKRP, WKRP in Cincinnati. <gasps> oh, man. WKRP in clue three had Ray let me do it. Is a, a new program director tries to turn around a struggling radio station by switching its format from easy listening to rock and roll. Well, yeah, that would have helped me, that clue. Yeah. <laughs> now, I wonder if Ray knows this even better because it was set in Ohio. Cincinnati, yeah. Mm. I, did, I, I didn't miss an episode of this one either. I love this yeah, show. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I don't even think I understood it was in Ohio, probably, you know. Because mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. I've talked about this before, right? Did you know about other states when you lived in Ohio? Because in New Jersey, you're raised oh. to not think there's anything outside of the state of New Jersey. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I knew there was California and Tennessee okay. yeah. <laughs> and Kentucky <laughs> and Florida. Okay. Yeah, that's more. Oh, than- and, there's, and, that, and, and that other place, New York. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but mostly, yeah. I only knew there was other yeah. states yeah. because of movies, not mm. from school or anything. I see. Mm-hmm. I see. So Magnet P.I. was set in Hawaii. You knew about that right. state. Do Hawaii. You picked up another one. I got Miami you. Miami Vice. Okay. You know, you're picking them up as you're yep. watching movies and TV shows. Mm-hmm. Well, WKRP mm-hmm. starred Gary, Sandy, Tim Reed, Gordon Jump, Howard Hessman, Lonnie Anderson, Jan Smithers, and tons of other people. The song itself, however, was written by composer Tom Wells with lyrics by the show's creator, Hugh Wilson. It was sung by Steve Carlyle. When a full-length version of the theme was released in In 1981, it peaked at number 65 on the Billboard Hot 100. That version was produced by Jerry Buckner and Gary Garcia, who had a big hit in 1982 with Pac-Man Fever, of course. (laughs) Now, I wonder if Ray, when when, when I remember, Kat, when we saw it, I'm sorry, when we heard it on the radio, it was WKRP Mm -hmm. in Cincinnati. However, I learned that when Steve Carlisle recorded full-length version of the song, he and his producers also made a whole bunch of customized versions oh, yeah. for different radio stations around the country. Really? And Cleveland may have had I'm at WGAR in Cleveland, according to what I found out. Do you oh. remember that, Ray? I would be surprised if it was WGAR, because if I was guessing, I would have said it would have been WMMS, mm. the home of the buzzard. Yeah. <laughs> our big rock station here, which Shout still is our buzzard. big rock station here. So You have a buzzard? We have a hawk. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yep. <laughs> it's believed that uh, having created these custom versions, it may have helped push this song to the top of <laughs> to the top of the charts at number 65. It 
<laughs> hey. All right. Song number six. This one goes back to Cat. Cat, we are looking this time for the song, the theme song, from a show that was a police procedural that ran from January 1981 to May 1987. And mm-hmm. I have an audio clue for you when you're ready to receive it. I'm ready. Here it comes. <laughs> oh, it's a piano. Sounds familiar. Did, did Ray say this before? Is it Hill Street Blues? Is that your guess? Yes, that's my guess. That is Hill Street Blues. <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Man, you guys are good at this. Oh, yeah, yeah. So familiar now. All right. I didn't you guys watch Hill Street Blues. I, f- I feel like I was just too young to be into it at all. I, I ended up seeing it, but it wasn't, yeah. the adults around me were watching it. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. on my list of things I should probably watch someday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Maybe. It certainly was responsible for a lot of the tone and style of police shows to come, you know, through uh, mm-hmm. NYPD Blue and Law and Order, et cetera. Um, the show starred, starred uh, J- Daniel Trevante Jr., Ken Olin, future director Betty Thomas, and many other folks who were main cast members. And also they had tons of guest stars that came uh, on the show that were ultimately, you know, became big, bigger stars uh, in the years that followed. This instrumental theme was written by somebody. You guys want to take a guess who wrote this one? That Post guy. Yeah, I was going to say Post. <laughs> Mike Post, yes. Yay! And this one actually features Larry Carlton on guitar. And if you remember, we last talked about Larry Carlton as having played guitar on the Magnum P.I. theme. The song <laughs> spent over five months on the charts and reached number 10 on the U.S. Billboard mm. Hot 100. It also became an adult contemporary hit in the U.S. at number four and number 29 in Canada. It was Post's second top 10 hit, matching the performance of his first hit, which was in 1976, the theme from the Rockford Files. Ah. Mm-hmm. Now this, it's not often that a TV theme becomes sort of the sort of the inspiration for a legendary rock band, but in 2006, that's exactly what happened. The Who released an ode to Mike Post called Mike Post Theme. Wow. All right. So let's see who got that. You got that cat and that was 30 points yeah. for you. So now the score is cat leads with 90 to raise 50. Oh my gosh. But that doesn't yeah. have to remain like that for very long because we're on to <laughs> song number seven. So we've got only two left here. Yeah. All right, Ray, you can get 30 yeah. points and, you know, get within a- Get back in striking distance, yeah. Uh, we're looking for the theme for a comedy drama All right. that ran for five seasons on ABC from March of 1985 through May of 1989. Are you ready for your audio clue? Yeah, why the hell not? <laughs> Here's your audio clue. Oh, no. That sounded like garbage. I mean, like... Can I, can I get that corrupted file one more time? <laughs> And what was this? What kind of thing was this? A comedy drama? Comedy drama. From 85 to 89? Yep. On ABC. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Ro- Roseanne. Incorrect. I guess though. All right, Kat, it goes back mm. to you for 20 points. Your second clue is the series revolved around the partners of a detective agency. Oh, Ray has it now. He's, he's yeah, now I got it. <laughs> God damn it. But I don't. I can't even ask nope. for that first clue again. The sound of pots and pans banging together is not going to help you? Yeah, you don't want to hear somebody hit the trash can again like they're <laughs> sigling an Astros hitter. <laughs> I got nothing. All right, back to Ray, Ray for 10 points. Your final clue is a character name, David Addison. It's Moonlighting. That's right! As I alluded to in the plot clue, the series revolved around cases investigated by the Blue Moon Detective Agency and its two partners, Maddie Hayes and David Addison. 
The show toyed with a mix of mystery, sharp dialogue, and sexual tension between its main characters, who were portrayed by Sybil Shepard and an up-and-coming Bruce Willis. I remember it now. Oh, you didn't even remember the show? No, I I, I saw it a little bit. Mm. Um but I, yeah, I just needed a few nudges. So I wonder if your dad was still controlling the remote in 85 through 89. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because Dukes of Hazard's off the air by now. The theme song was performed by Al Jarreau, mm-hmm. who wrote the song with Lee Holdridge. It was produced by Niall Rogers, who's a legendary music producer and also the founding member of Chic. And he produced a lot of Duran Duran. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, the theme from Moonlighting was released as a single in 1987 when it reached number 23 on the Billboard Hot 100 and spent one week at number one on the adult contemporary chart. I like how they have all these different charts. Yeah. Like there's always hope that maybe I could still have yeah. a number one hit. Yes. <laughs> on, on some chart. You just got to create the chart, right? What do you want to be the uh, number one hit of? Just make it. A- adult <laughs> non-sensory 100. Okay. And I got your I got your first single right here. That's the single off that album. All right, let's see. I don't know if it's uh, because I'm not so fantastic at math, but I know. Let's see. Grace got sixty. Cat's got ninety. Yeah, I can't win, but I can still come within ten if I get it on the second one and she misses. Damn, you're good. Well, I play a lot of cornhole, so there's a lot of math involved there. Oh, hmm. all right. So you just got to close the distance. At least make it a less humiliating defeat. That's right. All right, final uh, <laughs> final song here, our eighth and final song. Uh, we start with Cat. Cat, we're looking for the theme for a soap opera that ran for oh. nine seasons on ABC from January 1981 to May of 1989. Are you ready for your audio clip? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, I got to fl- I gotta play the last two clues together and see what kind of song we <laughs> Oh, it's actually kind of musical. All right, we're looking for the, this, this one, though. Ah, uh, that's not helping me. Really? <laughs> I could just start naming soap operas that I didn't watch. That's the trick to this game. You just pick a soap opera and just throw <laughs> it pre- in the air. I'm pretty sure right. you got some of your 30 points that way. Uh, yeah, oh, definitely. I had a great aunt who uh, was religious about her yeah. soap operas. I could just mm-hmm. throw one out. Throw one out. Pick throw one. one out. General Hospital. That is incorrect. All right. All right, Ray, this goes to you for 20 points. Clue number two. The series revolved around the family of an oil magnate and his wife who reside in Denver, Colorado. Oh. I'm still going to say Dallas. (laughs) 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 That's incorrect. But I'm suspecting you knew that. All right, clue number three for 10 points. So there's no way Ray can win, but Kat, you can either win by, by 90, with 90 points or win by, with 100 points. The final clue, number three, is the character name Blake Carrington. Oh, I know yeah. I heard that name. Yeah, he sings that song, Some Beach. <laughs> he hangs out with Gwen Stefani. Mm-hmm. Oh, Blake Shelton? Facts. <laughs> okay, um... Would you I, like your audio clue again? <laughs> <laughs> you want to play that audio clue again? I'm just, I'm going to guess Days of Our Lives. Well, it was, was it Dynasty? It was Dynasty! Oh, Dynasty! So it was like a nighttime one. I was thinking daytime. I was stuck on the daytime with yeah. that soap opera. You know, I think a lot of the themes from shows, you thought about Hill Street Blues, even Moonlighting, this one, they're kind of down, you know? I don't know. There's something kind of mm-hmm. melancholy about them. You know, I guess not, uh, I was going to say even uh, 
WKRP, but that's not. Yeah, maybe that's even that one. I think it might even be in a minor. Yeah, that one's that one's sexy. I think it's in a minor key though. I don't know. Something. Yeah, no, nah, no, no, no. WKRP is a sexy theme song. Mm. Right. You're like, so, yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know what the hell this show's about, yeah. but this is going to be one sexy show. I guess about about a radio station programmer. Mm. It's not about a radio <laughs> station programmer. Mm. It's about their mm-hmm. secretary. Oh, That's what that go. show's about. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening today. <laughs> Trying to avoid any lawsuits. <laughs> so the winner of today's TV theme show, TV, <laughs> wait, TV show theme song that were also Billboard hits, Billboard chart something like that. It's cat. Extravaganza. <laughs> Extravaganza. <laughs> All right. So I guess, I don't know. How do you wrap up a show that's... Well, <laughs> obviously you say... No, 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 no. We don't no. say anything. Congratulations, cat. Yes, Aww. that's what you say. Very good. Thank you, Ray. You know, you know I did learn on this show, though, and I, is how many songs Mike Post wrote. I mean, he really is somewhat of a god in this arena of <laughs> TV show themes um, and how so many of the themes that I liked as a kid growing up and still like today were written by one man. And, you know, he collaborated with a bunch of folks as well, but uh, I was surprised to learn that and pleased. I wish I had known that already. Well, here's how, here's how I see it. Yeah. They said, can we get Wailing Jennings? Yep. <laughs> and I said, no, <laughs> mm-hmm. no, we can't, we can't get it. He's too expensive. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. just not going to do it. Yeah. Well, who's that other guy? Uh, Post. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just call him. Yeah. Wailing <laughs> Jennings or Mike Post. That's your options. <laughs> Cool. All right. Hey, we will talk to you next time on 1980s Now. See ya. Later. Later.